Welcome back to the Devoted Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Shaner, and I'm here in the studio with my co-host and pastor, Ben Heffern. And how are you doing today? Doing well this morning. All right. We are excited to get back with you folks, and we're just going through the journey through the book of Matthew out of the Bible. And uh, we're excited because we just, we this is uh, episode three, um, and we started out with looking at the Christmas story a little bit about seeing in chapters one and two about seeing Jesus Christ as the king and then we got to see his lordship in uh, three and four and now we're five through seven and we're going to be looking at uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes so we're excited to get into this um, this part of scripture and uh, we just ask that you just uh, have a Bible ready with you if you're available if not that is fine listen along and let the Lord speak to you um, as he is to us as we are uh, speaking about God's word here today. So, Pastor, diving into 5, 6, and 7, we're kind of looking at the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. What are some applications we can pull from this and break down? Well, uh, it's very humbling to deal with this uh, most beloved of all uh, sermons by the Lord Jesus Christ, so powerful. Uh, I, I don't ever read this without being humbled by it and uh, just moved to to draw closer to the Lord. Uh, his standard, his uh, ethics of, of morality is just so high and so beautiful. Uh, the best, the perfect <laughs> that uh, standard that there possibly could be. And uh, we look at this as the Sermon on the Mount, these three chapters, and Jesus is teaching in the mount, mountain, and that's where it gets its name in verse 1. And, and people, his disciples, are the ones who are drawing to him. And so the, his teaching is oriented to, towards those who, who want to follow him. And so this is really an extension of what we saw from verse, uh, chapters 3 and 4 of wanting to, uh, to, to, to follow the king. And so this is the teaching of the king. When we look at the Beatitudes, it gets that name. Beatitude comes from the word blessing. And the first eight verses start with that word, blessed. And the first Beatitude gives a promise of the, the, towards the blessing that they would inherit the kingdom of heaven. And the very last one says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the same words appear in both the first and the last. And so because of that, um, we know that this is the teaching about for, for those who are going to inherit the kingdom. And we have to kind of pause for a moment there because the kingdom, and as in most uh, concepts in the Bible, is it's nuanced. It's, it's more than uh, just one thing. Some would teach that the kingdom is, is something that's yet future. And then others would say, no, no, the kingdom is something that's going on right now. And I believe that the best way to understand this is to understand that the, both of those things are true at the same time. And so that we await a future reign of Jesus on the earth as king, but we serve him now as those who are submitting to the king. And so he will rule overtly over all, meaning it's going to be very clear. And yet he is also ruling now inwardly over believers. So if you submit to him and receive Jesus Christ, he is your king and you are a part of the kingdom of God as the New Testament talks about. And so the Beatitudes really set for us really the entrance of what is required to come into the kingdom of God. And I believe it, it in some ways pictures not only the conversion of a person from a child of darkness to a child of light, but gives some evidence of that transformation. So the very first one is, blessed are the poor in spirit. 
And that poor in spirit has the idea of utterly bankrupt. You have absolutely nothing. It's where you realize spiritually, it's not just a blessing on the monetary poor and try to turn this into some sort of liberation theology that somehow the poor uh, are more spiritual than the rich. Uh, it's not that's not the focus of Jesus as is as often the case in modern uh, politics today and, and those who get into that with spirituality but he's talking about those who realize that they have nothing and that's where we have to come that's the first step of being blessed and it's so upside down you think the blessing would be upon those who have an abundance but it's actually those who have absolute poverty because he can change that and this poverty is is something to be mourned over because he says that um you have to recognize that this is a moral failure it's a bankruptcy of within of, of any moral goodness and so we mourn over this and he says blessed are the meek that means you're realigning yourself underneath him you are no longer clinging to your own will but you're surrendering your will to him and then the fourth says blessed are the, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness that's the idea of yearning you you are empty but you're seeking for god's gift of righteousness and god promises you that you will be filled and from this point this filling of righteousness that god works in you you can see a transition to the last four because there's these are evidences of of the what takes place when god fills you and and changes you. He says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. This is not a a requirement to get into heaven that you must be merciful. It just means that those who have uh, 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 received mercy from God, they're going to demonstrate it through their acts of mercy towards other people. And if you don't have mercy towards others, it means that you haven't received mercy from God. And so this aspect of we are going to turn around and what God does in our hearts is he produces in us now a reciprocal action of mercy towards others. He purifies our heart, not just the externals, but our inside so that we can be uh so we can see God and then he turns us into peacemakers just as he has made peace with us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ now we seek to to encourage others to have peace with God and interestingly enough when you have this type of righteousness when you've seen yourself as as poor as wicked and mourned over that you've sought after God and he fills you with mercy and peace and purity the world is going to hate you and they're going to persecute you and that's the final blessing upon those who who are rejected and uh, God calls for us to rejoice even though we're being persecuted and so every one of these are just so upside down mm-hmm. and yet God is just uh it's so beautiful and what what he's showing to us this is the Christian life i think the path to being uh, a christian in these things and entering into the kingdom mm-hmm. yeah it's it's very interesting cuz you know, you, you read the Beatitudes, and if you just read them and without kind of looking at context and what Christ is saying, you read it and you're like, man, that is a very short list hmm. of people who are going to be blessed. If you yeah. just look at it from just the normal perspective hmm. without actually looking at and studying what God is saying. Because you're like, I don't know, a lot of people, there's, there's a lack of purity. Hmm. There's a lack of meekness. There's a lack of, of peacemakers. There's a lack of in this world. Yeah. And then whenever you focus on what God is saying, it's he's talking about what Jesus is saying is talking about blessed are the meek. And that is just showing a weakness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blessed are the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. This is all focusing on his children mm-hmm. and having a relationship. Mm-hmm. Because as Christians, if we don't live pure and we're living out of the world, our vision is going to be tainted. It's like taking a pair of sunglasses 
or a pair of regular glasses, reading glasses, taking thumbprints and smudging them up and then rubbing some dirt on them mm. and then trying to, to, to read a book. Mm. Yeah. You're, you're not going to read. You'll either get frustrated and you'll finally clean them mm. or you're going to just try to suffer through it and look through whatever granules or, or whatever little pictures or whatever you can read out of uh, those little those lenses that are dirty. Mm. And so, but if you clean them and, and, and you keep them clean, pure in heart, if you keep your heart pure, hmm. you're going to see God clearly hmm. and see from his word. You know, when you're reading, if you're meek, if you allow yourself to just to just die to self, as Paul has said um, in scripture, whenever you let yourself become weak and you let God build himself up in you, his words will be your words. His thoughts will be your thoughts. And it'll just be just you'll create such an intimate relationship that your walk with the Lord will be so intimate and so close that you will be made me, you know, and we think about blessed whenever whenever you you think about blessed, blessed are the, you know, whenever you read those, it's not talking about money, monetary. It's not talking about the physical. It's talking about the relationship, the spiritual um, because whenever it gets yeah. down to the blessed are the uh, the uh, blessed are ye when uh, men shall re- revile you and persecute you. Hmm. There's not yeah, when someone's facing persecution, <laughs> you're not going to throw money at them and say, "Okay, here you go." Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're not going to toss them a, a blanket and say, "This will get you out yeah. of your problems." You know, because you're going to face what in America. We are blessed to not have to face that persecution. But around the world, there's missionaries and there's Christians who suffer mm-hmm. for the cause of Christ. Yeah. And they have a special place there at the throne of God. But again, reading this, understand that it's not talking about a material value. It's talking about a spiritual value. Mm-hmm. You know, These are valuable truths that ought not to be uh, set aside, but to be in the forefront of our minds. Yeah. And what's really beautiful is when you come to a realization on any of these points and say, I don't have that purity of heart, or I'm not really merciful, then you're back to the very beginning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Mm -hmm. You've come to the realization Mm -hmm. that you are empty and that you are broken. And that's that's the place of blessing. And so if we'll just come to that recognition of emptiness of ourselves and turning towards the Lord until a man sees himself as empty, the Lord cannot fill him. And uh, so there really is an aspect of what is my hunger? What is my thirst for the righteousness of God? And I think that really does challenge us as no matter where we're at is in, in our journey, in our walk, we, we, we have to, um, we've got to seek after God. So, well, as we kind of turn to the next section, you know, he talks about, um, he transitions and begins to talk about the impact of the disciples that they have on the world. He uses two different illustrations. He tells them that they are the salt of the earth, which has the idea of preserving the world from corruption, but then also that they're the light of the world, that they proclaim a life-saving message of light. And that is not just with their words, but also the life that they live, because he says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And that's just so amazing that though we may seem insignificant and inconsequential as the believers of the world, that in fact we truly are the ones who are preserving it from corruption and shining out the light of God's truth in the darkness. 
Then the next section is pretty lengthy all the way to the end of the chapter. You have the disciples' relationship to the law. And the key sect part here is that Jesus says that he has come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Uh, it is true that he's going to go on and explain what the law means. So when he says he fulfills it, does he mean he f- explains it to the fullest? That's some sense, yes. He's obedient. He he's ob- uh, uh, does the law. Yes, he, he is on those things. But what ultimate point is, when he says, I have come to fulfill the law, he means that he is the one to whom the law is pointing to. He is the fulfillment of it. And so that's really where this it, Jesus Christ brings the law to its significance. So keeping the law as part of Jesus Christ's kingdom is incredibly important. Uh, he says, if you teach the least of these commandments and tell people that they can break them, you're the least in the kingdom. So it's very important that we will be obedient. But he says, your righteousness has to be greater than the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. They had a, a external, man-oriented superficiality. But Jesus says, I wanted you to see the true depth of God's intent for the law. It's really an internal transformation that's based on dependence upon God. And he gives six illustrations, boom, 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 that just knock us right between the eyes. He says, you thought thou shalt not kill meant just about murder. He says, no, every form of hatred in your heart, any verbal abuse, any wronging of another person where your relationship is not right, he says, that all falls in as a breaking of that commandment. He said, thou shalt not commit adultery. We're not talking about just a, a sexual act. We're talking about the purity of the heart by which even a look, is a, look, a lustful look, will send a man to hell. Uh, he says divorce is, though is not a matter of convenience, but it really carries with it the grave consequences, except for some particular situations, of bringing a person into adultery. Uh, God's law against perjury is just a communication that God that men should not ever need to fortify their words because they are known for speaking the truth in all that they say. God's standard of justice, an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, was never meant to be an excuse for personal vengeance. But we are to give up all rights to defend ourselves personally, just ourselves, and give ourselves sacrificially to those who even might want to take advantage of us. And he talks about give to him that asketh thee, and from whom that would borrow thee, turn not away. Just this open sacrificial love for others. And then the final one that just, it may be a climax of these six examples, he takes this thought of loving your neighbor, but they had twisted that to mean that we could love, they, they didn't have to love their enemies. But he says, God's children do more than just the unsaved men of this world. He says, they love their enemies and they are like their ch- their father in heaven. And uh, so this, powerful. <laughs> Any one of those that you want to uh, jump on or thoughts in terms of how it might they stick out to you as being particularly applicable i i think the way that it that jesus had placed each building block is interesting hmm. and each section that that deals with and he starts out with teaching about the salt and the light mm-hmm. and you think about that and then he goes on and the rest of it i mean it just it fortifies the salt and the light hmm. it fortifies the relationship aspect that he was talking about in the beatitudes hmm. and uh, you know, in verse 13, it's, it talks about, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his uh, savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Mm. Um, it is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Mm. 
And then he goes on in 14 says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Hmm. And so as you're, as you're living out, because as you're living out the, the, the Christian life and you're walking close to the Lord, these will be just daily applications. They will always be on the forefront of your mind. And you know, we tend to think often, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not I'm not doing this thing. But when I read this, I'm like, oh, if you're if you have anything against your brother, leave your gift at the altar. And you think all of a sudden you that relationship that you think of becomes like, oh man, I'm I'm in violation of the command, right. thou shalt not kill, you know. Right. <laughs> or, you know, that aspect, oh, I've never committed adultery on my wife. But then, you know, talk about mm-hmm. a lustful look and you just you come away. You can't. You can't come away from this feeling self-righteous. Right. You feel beat up, <laughs> and it's and it's not physical. He's talking about the mental. Yeah. I mean, you think you look mm-hmm. upon a woman, yeah. and you lust after her. Yeah. Well, there you go. You committed adultery with her in your heart. Mm-hmm. It's just it's automatic. Mm-hmm. You know, you kill. You want to. You know, you even the thought of hurting somebody out of anger. Yeah. There you go. You just committed the the act of of uh, thou shalt not kill yeah. you know and and you you read that and you're like oh <laughs> it hits you so hard and and sometimes we can harden our hearts and we can dim our lights because it's because whenever you you light up a room and it's dark inside and you light it up you can see and so that's what god is, is that's what he's doing here jesus is saying he's he's like if you're if you're uh you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Hmm. You cannot hide as a Christian. Yeah. You know, um, we can dim our lights and God can put our lights out if we refuse to do what he has told us to do. Hmm. And we just turn our backs upon him. He can He can definitely turn our lights out. Hmm. But our job is to shine the light of Christ. Hmm. And we can't do that if we are living the way of the world. And that's what the applications are building blocks in each context of each, uh, I call them ba- uh, main points of his sermon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he just builds and builds and builds and it all comes back to the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. The Beatitudes, blessed are you if you're, if you are meek, yeah. if you're merciful, if you have a pure of heart, mm-hmm. you know, you will be blessed in these areas. Mm-hmm. But if you turn and then, he, then that's why we have these because if you turn away from me, you're not going to be blessed. You're going to have turmoil. You're going to have pain. You're going to have heartache. You're going to have yeah. struggles. Yeah. You're going to wonder why I'm spinning my wheels, but I'm not going anywhere in life. Yes. It's because you have stopped yourself from going and progressing in God's word. And you've let yourself get stuck in the mud pit of this world. And instead of asking for help, there's a tow truck right in front of you or someone, you know, God's ready to tow you out of that mud hole, but you're so stuck in, in what you want and hardened your heart that your salt has lost its savor. Yeah. Hmm. You know, just some application there yeah. just to pull out. Just... I, I think you're absolutely right that the whole, you know, you can look at that very last verse and he says, be perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That is not meant to bring us to the end of ourselves and to realize I cannot do that apart from my dependence upon God. He has to do something in me to produce this in me. Mm-hmm. And again, it brings us back to that I'm absolutely pop. I have impoverished. <laughs> I have nothing in my spirit that can do this, and yet uh, that's when the blessing of God comes on us. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we turn kind of turn into chapter 6, and you can divide chapter 6 pretty ev- evenly between 1 through 18 and 19 to the end of the chapter. Uh, the first part kind of deals with religious duties. Um, and so when you start looking and saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to start living a righteous life, not in terms of a, um, self, you know, um, I'm not talking about trying to earn your salvation. I'm just saying a, a, a hearty commendation to start living the way God wants you to, uh, the, the easy thing that can happen. And one of the greatest criticisms against the church is that it becomes hypocrisy. It easily leads into just into showmanship. And so uh, what we have to do is we can, he takes three different activities here. One is giving of alms. The other one is prayer. And the other one is fasting. So giving of alms benefits others. Prayer focuses on God. Fasting has more of a curtailing of my own flesh, a self-denial. And so in all three of these areas, I think he's chosen something very specific in relation to each one of these. But in all of them, he has this pattern which says, you should not do it for to be seen of other people, but you must do it for an eternal reward. Because if you do it to be seen of men, then you've got your reward. How many times have we done something good for someone else and we're doing in the process and we get a phone call and we're like, Oh yeah, hello so and so. Oh, I'm over at so and so's house doing this for them. Da 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 da. And we just drop this little uh, pat me on the back, you know, build ourselves up. And then God says, "Well, then you got your reward. Mm-hmm. If that's what you want to live for, is the approval of men upon the earth, then that's all you get." And uh, then we have the beautiful prayer of the Lord's prayer right here um, that deals with just the emphasis, placing the emphasis upon God and His glory before we. Um, seek after the things that we need and a beautiful summary and teaching on prayer. And then we kind of have a transition in verse 19 to the end of the chapter on the relationship of the disciple to the things of this world. And he basically says, you've got to prioritize God's values. Don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth. Don't be living for what's down here. That's worthless. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So take God's values because you can only serve one. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve the things of this life, mammon. And I love that little poem, two, only two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. And this seems very clear here, right? At the, we're going to see it come around in chapter 7, but here are the, the two aspects. And so then how do we relate to this? Just trust God for his goodness. You say, well, if I can't lay up stuff down here, and you say, just trust God. You don't have to worry. God provides food for birds and clothes flowers. He can take care of his children. And then he just summarizes this with, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So, man, where are our priorities, right? Do we, mm. do we have a vain pursuits in our lives? Right. <laughs> I think one thing that I just feel like the Lord just wants me to say is, you know, looking at social medias and, and things this past couple of weeks, it's been really big on people who've committed suicide here lately. Yeah, hmm. and and there was a high there was a high number that were Christians. Hmm. And you think about it, you know, the 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 things that they said before they died were, you know, well, I'm just a waste of space, hmm. or hmm. God can't use me, or somebody said something to provoke uh, just a negative feeling inside their hearts. But instead of turning to God, they look towards themselves mm. and they get anxious because they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And they focus upon themselves. They focus upon their surroundings. And 
you know, it's turn to the Lord. And that's what he's saying here in, you know, 24 to 34. This is a good passage to meditate on if you're struggling with those thoughts of, Mm. you know, ending your life. Mm. That's not God's direction or call upon your life is in your life. He wants Mm. you to live a life that's full and vibrant through him. And, you know, if we're focusing upon ourselves, you know, we, we, you know, they we're focusing upon mental health. Uh, I think it's just been a big theme this month for everybody, but you know, it's, a, it's, we are praying and, and we, you know, reaching out to those through this. You know, if you're listening and you're, you're struggling with depression yeah. and anxiety, look to God's word, yeah. pray, seek his face, find somebody to pray with you. You know, um, I, you know, it talks about verse 33 and 34, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Focusing upon tomorrow. We're not promised tomorrow, but if you focus upon today and take each step each day with the mindset of I'm going to serve the Lord or I'm struggling, but I need to look for for things that God is doing in and around. He's always doing something. Hmm. If we look for it, we'll see in the very little things. Yeah. Walk outside your door. Mm-hmm. You'll see the grass that's growing. You'll see the trees that are growing. Hmm. You'll see life. You'll see people walking around talking. Even waking up in the morning is such a blessing. Hmm. That God's giving you a gift of another day. Hmm. Opening your eyes, taking a breath with the lungs that He created and the air He's giving you. It's, it's just incredible to think about just that relationship aspect mm-hmm. um, and yeah. that and applying it to this um, five and six here and we'll see it in seven even I, I mean I just can't get over the fact that the relationship that God has yeah. the love he has for us it's it's incredible and maybe maybe we can finish the rest of our podcast just kind of talking about this because I think this is uh, pretty important and in some ways you know I've heard so suicide is the wrong solution to the right question. You know, some, it's a lot of times people are coming to the reality of the end of themselves, and there's this feelings of emptiness or anxiety, and there's pointlessness to life. Well, life is meant to be pointless. It's if I remember one of my my teachers put it, it says life's meant to taste bad if you insist on eating the box. If if all you're going to try to consume is the things of this world and the stuff that's the rust is going to corrupt and you're laying up your treasure for things where thieves can break through and steal. I mean, talk about people, you know, they they run to the end of themselves when they realize I've I've invested my entire life in things that don't matter. And and they come to, they feel that emptiness inside. The, The solution, the right solution is seek ye first God pursue him and and this is that aspect of which he's he's going to call for this in the sermon itself is to make a choice it's not about saying well there's no option for me yes there is an option pursuing god in a relationship with him and uh, you were sharing me with this quote in terms of just trying to that exalt from aw Tozer, right where he, he takes this aspect of we get so focused on the things of the world but those things are they're not even to be compared to the reality of a, of a walk with God, that's what fills us with uh, with joy and peace. Mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll read that real quick since we mentioned it. 
It's uh, from A.W. Tozer's book of God and Men. And it says, True Christian experience is direct knowledge of God. It is intimate fellowship between two personalities, God and the individual worshiper. The grounds of fellowship are mental, moral, and spiritual. And these are precisely what material objects do not and cannot possess. The union of the human soul with God and Christ establishes a personal relationship with which cannot be in any way affected by material substances. There is there is nothing that you need to have. No wealth, fame, friends. God just wants your heart. What pleases the Lord is us obeying and following after Him, seeking for Him. When we look for the Lord, we will find Him. That's what Scripture says. When we're like, well, I don't, I, I don't know where He's at. I, I can't find Him. Are you looking? Seek Him with all the heart. <laughs> right. With open eyes and an open heart for the Lord. A longing, a desire, a hunger. And so as we focused upon just the relationship aspect, I guess one thing that we can pull from this, and hopefully you as listening can pull from this, is a relationship with God is intimate. And you will have a full life that it that will be saturated with God's love and with him and you can share that with others mm. if you focus upon the Lord. And you'll be blessed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. As he talked about just the... at the very beginning. Yeah. And so study these words. Take them to heart. Thank you for listening. And we're excited to uh, go into episode four next week. And thank you for joining us. The voted podcast. Thank you.